Welcome to Tashma, the podcast where you get to listen in on Hadar's Beat Midrash. This year, each week, we will hear a Devar Torah on the Parsha from Rabbi David Kasher. Let's listen. One of the most dazzling of all the ornate garments worn by the Kohen Gadol, the high priest, was the tzitz, a tiara that encircled the turban on his head, forming a sort of crown. In the front, resting on his forehead, was a plate of gold, sealed with a boldly proclaimed message, Kodesh Lashem, holy to the eternal. But the intricate design of the tzitz was encoded with other, hidden messages that complicated its meaning. Three verses in Parsha Tetzaveh give us a vivid description of the tzitz. Ve'asitaz tzitz zahav tahor, you shall make a tzitz of pure gold, and engrave on it a seal, chotam, with the inscription, Holy to the Eternal, Kodesh Lashem. Hang on it a cord of blue, Petil Techelet, so that it may remain on the turban. It shall remain on the front of the turban. It shall be on Aaron's forehead, and Aaron will carry the sin, Venasa Aaron et Avon, of the holy things that the Israelites make holy from any of their holy donations. It shall be on his forehead at all times, to find favor for them before the Eternal. Embedded in this short passage is a cluster of textual connections that will zigzag us backward and forward in the Torah, weaving a network of associations together into the tzitz. Let's begin by following that blue cord backward, so to speak, because a cord, a patil, has only appeared in one other context in the Torah before this, in the Yehuda and Tamar story, another tale of dressing up. When Yehuda unwittingly solicits his own daughter-in-law, who has dressed up as a prostitute after fearing that she would be kept a perpetual widow, she asks that he leave a pledge to ensure payment. Vayomer, maha eravon asher He said, what kind of pledge shall I give you? And she said, Your seal and your cord and the staff in your hand. There's the cord, just like the cord upon which the tzitz hangs. And there's a seal, just like the seal that makes up the front of the tzitz and upon which holy to the eternal is engraved. Those are two striking parallels to the tzitz. Intriguing. But that's just two out of three. What about that third item, the staff? Of course, the staff is also an item that Aharon notably took up long before he became a priest. He performed the first three plagues with it. But that alone is not a particularly strong textual connection to the tzitz. For that, we have to jump forward to the book of Numbers, chapter 17. After Aharon's priesthood had been challenged by Korach, God proposes a test to demonstrate Aharon's legitimacy. Each tribe will put forth one staff, and they'll all be left overnight in the tent of meeting, in front of the ark. The one that God chooses will sprout forth flowers. And so it was the next morning, and Moshe came into the tent of the testimony, and behold, the staff of Aharon, of the house of Levi, had flowered, 
bringing forth flowers, budding buds, and producing almonds. The phrase budding buds in Hebrew is vayatzetz tzitz, because a tzitz is literally a bud or a sprout. It sprouts forth from the high priest's forehead. But this is the only time the Torah uses that word outside of the description of the priestly garments. It's as if this passage were well aware that one item was missing from the tzitz's parallel to Yehuda's pledges and stepped in to supply it. Three for three. Now the connection is a lock. Back to Genesis. So why would the tzitz take us back to this moment in the Yehuda story? It's an example of sin, to be sure, and the need for atonement creates some general thematic connection to the priesthood, but the link is more specific than that. These three items are the very things that force a confession and bring about real repentance. When Tamar is discovered to be pregnant and no one knows who the father is, she's condemned to death for betraying her family. Himotzeit but as she was being taken out, she sent her father-in-law a message, saying, The man to whom these things belong is the one I am pregnant by. And she said, Recognize, please, haker na, whose seal, cord, and staff are these. And he recognized them and said, Tzadkamimeni, she has been more just than I have. This becomes the paradigmatic act of recognizing and taking ownership of sin. Yehuda, whose name shares a root with the word for confession, sets the precedent for the kind of confession that the high priest will have to make on behalf of us all. Remember that the tzitz shall be on Aharon's forehead, and Aharon will carry the sin of the holy things. That phrasing takes us back even further into Genesis back to the first person ever to speak of carrying his sin. After Cain kills his brother, he's doomed to wander the earth, and far from accepting his fate, he protests. Vayomer Cain el Hashem, Gadol avoni min so. Cain said to the Eternal, My sin is too great to bear. Cain worries that as a known killer wandering the roads, he'll be vulnerable to revenge attacks. God responds by giving Cain a mark that will protect him from anyone who tries to kill him. Rashi imagines what and where that mark was. The Eternal placed a mark on Cain. Chakaklo ot mishmo b'mitzcho. That is, he placed a letter from God's name and engraved it on his forehead. God's name was on Cain's forehead. Rashi's language conjures up the image of the high priest, who also wears God's name on his forehead, in order to carry sin. And what does the high priest do with these sins? For the Torah's account of that, we jump forward again to the book of Leviticus, chapter 16, where the Yom Kippur service is detailed. Its central ritual consists of taking two goats and designating one to the eternal, that is, the goat is designated with exactly the same language that the priest is designated, la Hashem. That goat is offered up to God as a sin offering. It is the other goat, however, who will be carrying sins. 
for he will be sent out to the wilderness, Azazel. Look at what happens before the goat is sent. V'samach Aharon et shtei yadav al rosh hasa'ir achai v'hitvadalav et kol avanot b'nei Yisrael. Aaron shall lay both his hands upon the head of the live goat and confess over it all of the sins and transgressions of the Israelites, whatever their iniquities, putting them on the head of the goat, and it shall be sent off to the wilderness through a designated agent. Thus the goat shall carry on it all of their sins, to an inaccessible region, and the goat shall be set free in the wilderness. Aharon seems to be transferring the sins of the people onto the goat by placing his hands on its head, where Aharon's own designation as a bearer of sins usually rests, and then confessing the sins, just as Yehuda, the first wearer of the cord, taught us how to do. Before that confession, in the days of Cain, people would have to carry their sins forever, like a mark on their foreheads. But Yehuda taught his people the power of confession and repentance, and then that became formalized in the service of the Mikdash and in our representative, Aharon. The Torah has threaded all of these texts together with common symbols to trace the development of a process of grappling with sin that begins with an unrepentant killer, runs through the moral reckoning between Yehuda and Tamar that ends in a confession, and then culminates in the Kohen Gadol's unique power to confess and achieve forgiveness for the sins of an entire nation. It's a magnificent display of symbolic mapping. But what does it have to do with us? Well, we have so far left out perhaps the most obvious textual connection to the tzitz. There is another word in the Torah that sounds almost exactly alike, and is also related to a ritual object. Tzitzit, sometimes translated awkwardly as ritual fringes. Here's the description of the tzitzit in Parshat Shalach. Daberel b'nei Yisrael v'amarta eleihem v'asu lehem tzitzit. The Eternal said to Moshe as follows, Speak to the Israelite people and instruct them to make for themselves tzitzit on the corners of their garments throughout the ages. And let them attach a cord of blue, petil techelet, to the tzitzit at each corner. That shall be your tzitzit. Look at it and recall all the commandments of the Eternal and observe them so that you do not follow after your heart and after your eyes in that which you lust after, so that you shall be reminded to observe all my commandments and to be holy to your God, Kudoshim lelokechem. The word tzitzit itself looks like a diminutive form of tzitz, suggesting that this is something like a little tzitz, one that any Israelite can wear. The tzitzit are also assigned a similar language of designation, holy to your God. But if we needed any further proof that these are related items, there is that same blue cord that we saw on the priestly garment. The mitzvah of tzitzit, then, contains a trace of the priesthood long after the services of the priests in the temple have ended. There's something excitingly democratizing about this mitzvah. Holiness is accessible to anyone with a four-cornered garment. But the tzitzit are also freighted with the complex history of its priestly progenitor, 
reminding us that we all carry sin, but also that we have learned of the power of confession from Yehuda and of the possibility of atonement from Aharon. Our producers for this episode are Sam Greenberg and Jeremy Tabak. Thank you to Nadav Remez for editing this episode. I'm your host, Rabbi Avi Killip. It's been a pleasure to learn with you. Thank you.